0: Dark Art Society podcast covers a variety of important and contemporary issues, including dark art, as well as other kinds of art, literature, film, music, also culture, philosophy, dreams, paranormal experiences, magic, and a whole lot more than that. I'm Mike Carell, director of Chet Czar, I Like to Paint Monsters, and you are listening to the Dark Art Society podcast, hosted by renowned artist, Chet Czar.
1: Hello, this what's is up, Chet. Chet, what's up, okay, we're doing this podcast now. We've been going back and forth on how to do this fucking podcast (laughs) for, like, a week now. Yeah, at least. Okay, so, yeah, this is our podcast. We're trying it out. It may suck. Hopefully it won't. Um, Let me just say that uh, we originally started talking about doing this podcast a long time
0: ago, years ago, right? Yeah, it's been since 2014.
1: Yeah, because... We had these cool conversations, Mike and I um you know, Mike made this documentary about me that came out really good called Chetzar I like to paint monsters and um over that three year period, we had all these phone conversations that were actually really interesting and kind of veered off into other areas that were not covered by the documentary or had nothing to do with the because we have a lot in common so um that was kind of the basic idea for this podcast is like, we should turn our phone conversations into a podcast pretty much. Yeah. Just talk talk, talk about whatever, really. I mean, the dark art society is a, a, like a, a way to present this podcast, but um, you know, it could really be about anything
0: yeah yeah i don't think that i mean if you were to say oh the dark art society podcast that's going to have like that's a it's a pretty strong moniker you know but uh we're here to tell you right off right off the bat that it's about a lot more than just dark art although it it's certainly you know we are interested in and i think chet specifically is interested in you know dignifying and legitimizing the the art movement of dark art and so i think that that is a, you know that is certainly an avenue of this podcast but i think you know as i've mentioned to you before chet it's 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 almost a double entendre, the dark art thing, because you add an S, and now you have dark arts, and that has a whole different connotation, which leads us into some of these other topics, I think, that we're interested in covering, certainly.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, I, you know, we're just going to try this out, see how it goes. Um. Uh. Maybe it'll go nowhere. Maybe it'll go somewhere.
0: Maybe it'll go everywhere. <laughs> maybe
1: it'll go everywhere, man. <laughs> um, but, you know, one thing we should maybe... Talk about. I'll I'll let you talk about this. Um, sure, is the whole idea of the Dark Art Society.
0: Yeah, so the Dark Art Society is actually Whoa, this is. A, I'm sorry. What?
1: You 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 got really loud for and and went into the red.
0: Ooh, baby, I'm so hot.
1: hot. <laughs> okay. Anyway.
0: So, yeah, the Dark Art Society podcast is, is really a, a Chet creation, uh, as it were, and it came up in conversation when I was actually working on I Like to Paint Monsters in 2014, and I came out for – it was kind of a dual-oriented trip. The first stage in the trip was to meet up with Myron Walters, who ended up being an executive producer on the documentary via the second Kickstarter And so he paid for me to come out, interview him. He ended up in the film, incredibly cool guy. And on the way back, I decided to stop by your place and you put me up in the studio in the back. And during that period of time when we were filming for the documentary, we were filming some of your childhood art collection, hanging out, things of that nature, you started telling me about the whole dark art society idea, which would basically be an advocacy group, a nonprofit advocacy group, right?
1: Right. For the dark art movement.
0: Right. And so the idea then would be to have a platform and kind of a clearinghouse for artists to be able to come together under one hat and feel included, like as splinter cells coming together from afar, Um, but also to be able to, you know, give people uh, avenues for selling their art, places to show their art. Uh, I think also as a way to have a booth that would be set up, a nonprofit booth that would, you know, the idea would be to provide information to the public about what dark art is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe going to art fairs and um, promoting the idea of dark art and explaining what it is and explaining why it's good and shouldn't be marginalized. I mean, I'm kind of a dark art evangelist, I guess you could say (laughs) so. uh, But yeah, not only uh, everything you said, plus, um, you know, resources for dark artists. You know, since right, uh, right. You know, uh, a website maybe that has resources for galleries that will show your work and places, a place that people can kind of meet up. And I don't know, anyway, that's the basic idea for this dark art society. And right. it hasn't really happened yet because what I was thinking was do a Kickstarter, um, <clears throat> and form an actual nonprofit, totally legit. And, um, Uh, you know have a board of directors and everything and and go around and advocate for dark art and give people resources and all that stuff Um, of course you know with time being the issue and having a million projects going it hasn't happened yet but we thought um, this podcast might be a good place to start and then you know move on from there and see you know maybe it'll happen eventually
0: Right. Well, and and I think that, you know, I've, I know that I feel this way and I know that you have felt this way in the past that to whatever degree, you know, uh, a dark art as a movement has a tendency to draw out, you know, a certain, certain type of, of person. And a lot of those people have a tendency to feel somewhat isolated and alienated from whether it's their culture Or it's their town, or it's the art world in general. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think that again, having a place for people to come together and feel like, you know, we we are a part of something that's greater than us. And we're not off on our own doing some, you know, miserable, scary stuff. And that makes us miserable, scary people, but rather quite the opposite.
1: Right. Yeah. There's a lot to be explained and explored in dark art, I think. Um, You know, people don't. People have an idea about what dark art is. A lot of artists don't like the term dark art, but, you know, I've said it before um, that I think that uh, I'm all for it just because art movements get named, whether you come up with the name or not. This art movement already has a name, dark art. Everybody's calling it that. Um, It seems fine to me. It's kind of open enough yet descriptive enough. And when you hear it, you know exactly what, you know, people are talking about. So I'm I'm all about embracing it rather than, you know, trying to come up with the perfect name that may not even stick anyway.
0: Uh, (laughs) Right, (laughs) right. Well, not to mention, and I think one of the things that is bothersome to both of us and, and to I think a lot of people out there is just the simple fact that a lot of what's considered dark art when when you say the term dark art people have a a certain kind of connotation in their mind that's drawn out and it's not necessarily the best artwork that they think of when they hear that term (laughs) so we would probably like to see that change a little bit throughout the process as well
1: for sure it's 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 almost like uh feminism in a weird way whereas you know women from the the feminist perspective which i agree with is that women have to be even better than men to be considered i don't know what's the phrase women have to be work twice as hard to be considered half as good or something like that Yeah, right right it's kind of like that with dark art or any marginalized segment of society it's like you have to you know we should be better than the best painters in the kind of traditional normal painting field i think you know in order to be considered as legitimate as them it doesn't make it's it's an uphill battle for sure yeah and it it. just it it really bothers me it doesn't make it makes no sense to me that you know there's a lot of people that don't consider dark art legitimate or artwork really even and it's crazy to me like why is a bowl of fruit any more legitimate than a skull and crossbones yeah (laughs) exactly (laughs) um there's no reason for it at all. There's no reason for it. It doesn't make any sense. It's just what people have learned to accept as art. You know, if, if people were painting those, you know, memento Mori paintings of skulls and time, you know, uh, what are those time piece things? The hourglasses, you know, there's, there's these paintings that the old masters used to do. These memento Mori paintings. If those Mm -hmm. were, you know, if we were in a different society, I suppose those would be the bowls of fruit, And um, they would just be considered legit forms of art instead of flowers or balls of fruit. We just have...
0: You know, I, I think right there even it, it, we're kind of delving into another aspect of what we want this podcast to be, which is a platform for you to be able to speak to artists, you know, because mm-hmm. you have a lot of knowledge, whether that's technical or otherwise concerning art. And I think that there are a lot of people out there that could really benefit from hearing what you have to say about it. So even even me, you know, I'm always fascinated with what you have to say about art in general, you always have in, you know, really interesting ways of, of looking at it and, and allowing me a different perceptual relief from what I would normally utilize as my, you know, my filter for understanding what it is that is art.
1: Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> I'm down for that. Yeah. I am down for, for, uh, technical stuff as well. Technical painting things. And, uh, we were talking also, uh, <clears throat> this week, Discussing this podcast about talking about film and music and, you know, because there's it's I mean, I know this is for you as well. But for me, it's I keep thinking about, you know, I'll sit and I'll think about a band for a long time and I'll think about their music and Mike Watt, for example, I've been lately has been my latest thing i've gotten back into
0: well understandably with, yeah. with you know the second met opening at, at the dystopia show here right. last, last right. october
1: it is it's true um you know how you do that you get into a band for a while and then you get so totally. you've listened so much that you gotta not listen for a while and then that's mm-hmm. for me anyway and then i distance like right now i'm i'm in with no means no, I'm in a period where I listen to them so much, I have to not listen for a while so that I yeah, can come take back a to it and then go, oh, it's amazing again. But yep, yep. so it was the same with Mike Watt. And so I started listening and I was like, oh, my God, there's so much amazing stuff because I had that nice period of uh, break in there. And um, so uh, anyway, I've been thinking a lot about Mike Watt and what a genius he is and how amazing he is. And, and so that would be something that I would – to say hey I want to let's talk about Mike Watt for a while on the podcast and go over all the albums all the songs and what he's all about and but right. same thing for a movie a documentary you've seen or a movie or whatever you know
0: Well and speaking of like getting reacquainted you know you told me that you got reacquainted recently with Twin Peaks which is really cool yeah. to me of course because you know, obviously David Lynch's work has had a strong impact on me, and I know certainly it has influenced you as well. And so it's funny how, you know, you, you'll you see something like I, I always think of Pulp Fiction is kind of my, the, the obvious choice for me. And maybe maybe not for any other reason than what I'm about to explain. But the first time I saw Pulp Fiction, I just thought it was terrible. I, I really did. I was like, what? Why does everybody <laughs> care so much about this, you know? And then it was years later. It had to have been, you know, four or five years later. And I watched it again. And I was just, I mean, you know, awestruck. I was like, how could I have not seen what a genius this film is, you know? it's amazing. And so it's just... Yeah, so it's like you know, you you have that life experience between those two viewings, and it totally changes and colors and recolors what it is that you've once seen, and makes it almost you know brand new. Or, or for instance, me telling you about No Country for Old Men the other day, and noticing the scene in the hotel where where Sugur's going in and he's gonna you know shoot down these these uh, Mexican cartel guys. And he goes into another hotel room and he starts like, you know, the room he rented and he's looking around. And I remember the first time I watched it, I thought like, why is he just looking around this room? Like, what what's the point of this? But once you see it again, you realize, oh, OK, he's setting himself up because he knows that the other room is going to be duplicate. And so he's getting himself ready to go in here and execute these guys. So there's a whole other sinister quality, you know, right. having <clears throat> have that removed from it and then reinvestigating it. So, yeah, I think that that's, a, that's pretty common. What have you been – how have you been feeling about the Twin Peaks thing now that you're getting back into it? Are you watching while you paint? Oh, I,
1: I've already gotten through it and watched the movie so I'm, nice. I'm kind of through that i'm done with that but uh yeah it was great it was i'm done with that <laughs> um no it was amazing it was great i definitely i don't know i think probably since i rewatched, uh what was the uh uh was it mulholland drive is it which is
0: the one with uh robert blake yeah, uh that's Lost Highway. Yeah, Lost Highway, sorry. Yeah, yeah that's that the, was one. the one that I was beating beating you over the head with yeah. for so long. Yeah.
1: And then I finally watched that again and got it for the first time and realized it was amazing and so that that's what got me back into Twin Peaks. So I watched that again and um you know, I was able to it, it, you know, I got it this time as well. And that that's I think that happens a lot with any kind of art is um you know, sometimes you're not <clears throat> in the right headspace or you're just not there to get it at the moment it's like this last watt album this last Mike watt album i've been listening to lately and it's when i first got it i was like oh this is cool and then i was just didn't listen to it a lot because it didn't instantly grab me mm-hmm. and um and now i listen to it it's like it's so amazing it's it's really a, kind of a lot like the fire hose Minutemen stuff. And it's, it's a, like a 30 minute album with a bunch of really short songs, like Minutemen type songs where they're like 30 seconds to a minute, two minutes. But it's a, um, it's his interpretation of the garden of earthly delights by Hieronymus Bosch. So it's, oh, okay. it's funny the way he, you know, describes it. It's, it's just completely his interpretation and not what the things actually meant. But he's like, you know, Arrow-pierced arrow egg man, arrow-pierced egg man, arrow-pierced egg man. Because <laughs> there's like there's like an, like an egg guy with an arrow going through it in the Bosch painting. It's great. So he kind of comes with these lyrics. Anyway, but I guess the point was that, uh, yeah, I, I think that you, it's, you know how it is. I'm sure everybody does this. You see something and you don't get it until later, and then you get it and realize it was you and not the thing you were watching or listening to. Well,
0: you know, and I think there are also experiences that kind of instigate that because like, for instance, you know, if I were to listen to like the second Men, I'd never heard them before. Right. And so then I see them play live and it's like the energy that they embody live and like the way that they're just so tight and in tune with their instruments and with one another. And it's so crisp and clean and like the length of those songs being short makes sense because you feel it, you know, it's this Mm -hmm. like intensity between these point A and point C, you know, and so, but without that experience, I don't think I would have taken any. Time to listen to more right, of them, right. you know. Yeah, so yeah. again, if it weren't for that one experience, you know, of that energy mm-hmm. that was created from the experience of them live together, and then of course the Dystopia show just being, or no, that wasn't Dystopia. I take it back. They played for Conjoined in January. Yeah. My bad.
1: Yeah, that's all right. So, anyway, let's uh keep going with whatever this podcast is about. I mean, what else is?
0: Well, and, and I guess that would be, you know, that's that's one of the things that Twin Peaks always makes me think of is like, you know, paranormal experiences, parallel right. realities, mm-hmm. multiverse, all of this kind of stuff, you know, and obviously I think that people are going to discover, you know, somewhat soon that there's there's a, a ring of truth to that in the form of uh, dystopia, you know, Yeah, right.
1: <laughs> dystopia is the book that we're working on, in case you don't know. Um, right. Where I'm taking all the paintings I've done for the last 15 years or so and, and we're figuring out the mythology of it but um yeah that's another thing I definitely want to talk about is supernatural stuff paranormal stuff because I've had a lot of weird stuff happen in my life um it's referenced in the documentary not nearly close to all of it and I know you've had a lot of really weird stuff as well so I definitely look forward to Talking about that, you know, having full episodes devoted to it and stuff—it's <clears throat> going to be. Yeah, really we definitely.
0: Fun. We've both tripped out on each other over and over and over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The quality of the experiences that we've had—it's funny too, because like you know, every every once in a while, like well, we've known each other for five years, and so like the other day, I told you that whole story about uh, about this being that plagued me when I was a kid, and you were like, you had never even heard that, you know, and yeah. I, and I thought I'd told you all the crazy things that have happened to me, so <laughs> you know. Yeah. it's always surprising you know how much more there is it's really gonna, there
1: yeah it's gonna be good um another thing we spoke about I want to say also that uh, uh they I want to shout give a shout out to the transgression podcast and Menton and uh, David and Damien and those guys because that uh that kind of did kick my butt to get this thing going because I enjoyed that podcast and um you know we Mike and I were thinking about you know, we'd been thinking about it before, but that was like, oh, someone's actually doing it, and it's kind of in our our arena, the dark art thing, whether they call it that or not. It's the yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's sort of in the same scene. So, but I think that we both thought we could bring something different to the table because we're different people, obviously. So, yeah, you know, I wanted to uh, 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 also say that I'd like to get questions from people if anyone listens. And, yeah, engagement um, would be great. Yeah, I'd love to get uh do Q&A stuff because I get a lot of all kinds of different questions about different things from painting to philosophy and stuff people ask me so um you know maybe we'll go on Facebook or something and
0: yeah we could live stream it and let people do things engage or, in it
1: well that or we could just say hey what would you ask what would what do you want to know on this podcast what are right, some questions right. and then we just mine them from there you know
0: yeah, that's a great that's a great approach too. And again, as you guys will find here, you know the, the the nature, as I said in the beginning of this, is conversational, which is that you know we're not sitting down with some some script. We don't even have notes either of us. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're we didn't plan this out. Like we don't plan out any of our conversations. You know, we we end up talking several times a week, and and it's always organic and it's always comfortable and, and surprising. You know, and often surprising in a good way, more often than not. Anyhow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: I got to stop hitting this mic, man. This is killing me. I keep going.
0: I know. Well, we're trying to get used to our microphones here. This is new
1: for us. Another thing that I think we want to cover is guests. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. uh, Yeah.
1: Because I I
0: think when you say that word, the first person I think of, here's my shout out, is Brian Smith. I want Brian Smith on here because Brian Smith. You know, he didn't really get his just desserts in the documentary. You know, right. he he was, he's a really really cool dude, and he's really interesting, and he's fun to talk to. And yeah, and I, totally. I just couldn't couldn't pull a good interview is circumstantial, but nevertheless, I when you say guest, I immediately think I want to talk to Brian Smith.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Brian Smith and Christopher Ulrich would be amazing. We got to get yes. him on, and Martin Ball, who's nope. which kind of brings us into the theogenic idea that you know I think mm-hmm. we're both very interested in. Entheogens and psychedelics and stuff.
0: Well, again, illustrated in the documentary, you know, it's definitely something we're comfortable talking about and and would like to talk more about in depth.
1: Like dark art, it gets a bad rap.
0: It certainly does.
1: It is marginalized by the mainstream. It is. Although less less, now than before, I think.
0: I think, again, it's important that when you're dealing with those kinds of topics, that you're dealing with them in a responsible manner, you know, mm-hmm. especially when you, have, when you have a platform to discuss them. You know, like, again, in the documentary, you made it pretty clear that, you know, you, you when you first tried mushrooms, it was as a result of, you know, waiting until you were 18 and waiting until you had proven that you were not what everyone thought you were going to be, which was like, you know, a little long-haired a stoner kid. You know, troublemaker. Yeah, stoner kid, right. <laughs> So, you know, it, it, and you did it because you were seeking enlightenment and spiritual attainment, you know. So, again, there's a, there's a lot of, uh, I think, important aspects that could be included in that conversation that aren't often, I think, included. It's more like the, wow, blow your mind. It's amazing. It's like, yeah, but.
1: Yeah, Stop. right. There's way more to it than the melting walls. I mean, those are the peripheral aspects of it, really, is all the weird Certainly. stuff. You know, the way it changes your mode of thinking is the important part absolutely you know so that will be a topic of discussion um what else do we talk about do we talk about some dreams others? oh dreams yeah it's <laughs> dreams to me is kind of falls under the paranormal thing but it's not really it's its own thing what do you think about it
0: well it is kind of i mean if you think about what makes up the word god damn it, par- i
1: keep hitting this fucking mic sorry it's the pop screen that i keep hitting sorry okay
0: it's all good. You, well, you look at the word paranormal. You know, para and normal. So yeah, dreams are definitely they're they're certainly not quote normal, right? Yeah. Well,
1: <laughs> they are kind of normal, really. I well, mean, everybody has they, them, but
0: certainly, but but the experiences often are, are, are surreal and outlandish, if uh, you know nothing else. So well, the
1: the thing that trips me out about dreams, since we're just talking about this quickly, is uh, the the way that the dream out of body experience. Um, alien abduction and psychedelic experience all are connected. And it, maybe it's because they are, are all maybe emanating from the mind.
0: You can add, you know, add dream paralysis into that category as right. well. Yeah, yeah. S- Certainly. Sleep
1: paralysis. Yeah, that's the... Uh,
0: <clears throat> right, sleep paralysis.
1: So they're all, that that trips me out that they're all very connected. Or in lucid dreaming, it's like lucid dreaming is not, it's different than regular dreaming and it's different than an out of body experience it's really trippy it's really well and and even
0: even when you start to look at like you know again i guess it comes down to semantics but a lot of people call an out-of-body experience astral projection you know but really actually those two things are quite different because an out-of-body experience can't occur on its own of its own volition whereas astral projection is intending to leave one's body and so mm-hmm. again small distinction but you know significant uh change in the import of that particular experience you know and again mm-hmm. they're all they all correlate seemingly you know mm-hmm. all of these states of consciousness seem to be branches on the same tree as it were
1: right um also you know one thing we talked about was the <clears throat> um the uh, uh, uh i guess this would be on the spiritual end of things uh magic and the creative visualization and mental spiritual creative connection is, is also another uh, topic of discussion I think we'd like to cover because I know I've gotten a lot out of what we now call magic with the k I suppose and uh, I I grew up calling it creative visualization which is like a new age new agey term And then became the secret after the secret got on Oprah. It's the same kind of thing.
0: Right. Um, So that's another. Well, it's almost like creative visualization in some levels is like a discipline under the umbrella of magic. Mm -hmm. You know, if you think about it, because it's like it's one it's one particular avenue for for manifestation. Right.
1: Prayer as well. And, you know, all kinds of that stuff.
0: Yeah, the magic thing is really, you know, dreams and magic I think are kind of the two real core issues for me that I definitely am am excited to discuss with you, of course, more and then also to hear what other people think and get their feedback and because you know, magic is such a significant part of what I do with my artistic process, insofar as I even refer to it as ritual art. You know, Mm -hmm. all the art that I do I consider it ritual art. So you know, it's it, that's a that's important to me. And then of course the dreaming thing, you know that that's where I've gotten every idea, every good idea that I've ever come up with is from my dreams. Yeah, that's true. And I go that, there and mine them. You know, it's like yeah, <laughs> that's
1: that's to me that's really interesting because you have that's sort of uh, one of your talents that I don't have. You know, I've I've always it's I've always had a thing since I was about twelve years old where I leave my body and go out of body when I sleep and have that kind of, you know, out-of-body experience. But I've never been able to make it happen willfully. I don't think one time I've been able to do that. I've tried, but I don't think I've stuck with it long enough. But um, I've also, usually when it happens, I just float around and I can't, a few times I've been able to move the way I want to move. And that was after reading that uh, Robert, some Robert Monroe book, who was like this, you know, big out-of-body researcher guy and he was saying you got to think it yeah you know? absolutely that's so the trick you think it and so it's like i want to go forward and then you think you think i, I want to go forward and then you go forward but
0: yeah for you the, think movement right
1: yeah. but for the most part 99 percent of the time i'm just floating flailing my arms around and i can't go do anything except going whoa this is weird and um right. It's because I don't have that natural talent for it. It seems like you probably do from, the, from what you've told me about your, your lucid dreaming and out-of-body stuff and dreams that you're able to go in there and, and actually be aware of what you're doing. To a greater
0: right. or lesser extent, of course, it all depends on energy. You know, because so, like for for me, it's all it's all contingent on energy. You know, if you have enough energy, you can you can have that experience to a greater extent, and if you have less energy, you will have that experience to a lesser extent, and to the point where you might not even have that experience at all. Right. <laughs> You're, which is to say that my ability to to actually initiate like a an you know an experience of quote dreaming as opposed to just an ordinary dream for me is based on how much energy i have stored up mm-hmm. so for instance if i'm like utilizing all of my energy in my daily activities just it's tying everything up i'm not going to have anything left over for that
1: right you know so do you have you been able to have a spontaneous out of body experience Intentionally, like lay down and go. Okay, I'm going to go out and or lucid yeah. dream or whatever. You've Absolutely. been able to do that. I've never been able to do that. I've gotten so close, but I've never been able to go all the way.
0: In fact, yeah, talk a little bit about talk a little bit about your your close experience. While I look for something real quick on my computer.
1: Well, it's been more than one time. You know where I started getting into the whole lucid dreaming thing. Really. But also mm-hmm. the the spontaneous being able to control going out of body as well, to where you're uh, there's different techniques. They're just meditation techniques you do as you're going to sleep. Um, I know if you're I think if you're what Robert Monroe was suggesting was to uh, um do it like in the middle of the night, wake yourself up, and then go back to sleep, which is usually when all my out of bodies happen. So when I get woken up in the middle of the night and then when I fall back to sleep I get in that weird state Um, Mm -hmm. but I'm always when I try when I've tried to do it I always get to where I feel it coming on you feel that weird tingling sensation all over your body and you can kind of see through your eyelids a little bit but I'm never able to just go
0: and go for it
1: yeah it's weird and start floating around
0: I'm I'm looking for actually where I've 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 written up a, a description which would do much greater service to the story than me just trying to rattle it off, um, of my first experience of of what I at the time called that quote astral projection where I actually intended to leave my body and and was successful at doing so, and it's uh, it's uh, here it is I think, well that's I'm close to it anyway, yeah I mean I've I've had a lot of experiences with it. Um, Yeah, here it is. I just found it. So I'll read a little bit from it, just, you know, because I think that, again, it does a better job of explaining it. So uh, here we go. My first attempt occurred one night after her parents, and this is, I'm talking about a young girl I was invested in at the time who was the motivation for said astral travel. (laughs) (laughs) My first attempt occurred one night after her parents abruptly ended our phone conversation. I lay in bed meditating with my eyes closed, and I began envisioning my room, Intuitively, I felt that if I was able to reconstruct every detail of my room within my mind that I would be able to rise from my body and travel to her I don't know how long this went on But at some point I found myself looking at my room and willed myself to sit up I sat up and became disappointed. All I had done was open my eyes and sat up in bed Yet as I looked in the mirror at the foot of my bed, I could see my body still lay lying flat Excitement rushed through me in a hot wave. I was in two places at once I thought of standing, and I was standing. My body lay flat in bed. I watched the rise and fall of my body's chest. I thought of the window, and then I was in front of it. And dot, 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 I'll yeah, stop there. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's, uh, <clears throat> that's what I mean, though. You have the talent for it. You thought about it, and you stood up, whereas... Every time well, I've and been what's doing missing? It, I've been going, woo.
0: You know. what's missing what's missing there is you know if you and, and that by the way is an excerpt from a book that i've written called emails from infinity that i'm in you know various stages of production with right now actually um but that that particular experience the preamble to that was a, a good deal of research and study and practice and mm. failure right. oh, okay <laughs> good that's cool yeah so it wasn't just like a, that was just the first time that it actually occurred and it was incredible i mean it was there's really nothing else to just. There's nothing else that I can parallel with it. I mean, even, um, you know, I consider that a different state, uh, or a different quality, anyway, of the of the dreaming state. In that, like, I can have a dream where I become conscious of myself, and I am able to, um, you know access the dream and move through the dream with awareness Mm -hmm. but astral travel is a very different experience because for me it was actually my energy leaving my body but traveling through the physical the corporeal reality. yeah
1: that's well i mean that's something we can talk about when we maybe do a whole episode on it but let me add that um that's the weird thing about astral projection or out of bodies or whatever it's like they're so they overlap and they're and they're not so cut and dried because sometimes you know you'll see your room and something's different about it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it, everything's and 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 other times you're more aware. One time I just real quick, one time I had this one where I went shooting up into space and then I was on the moon. It was hilarious. I'm wow. standing on the moon. I could see my my uh <laughs> my Hyundai my car was on the moon and there was a huge light source, which maybe it was the sun. I don't know. It looks like those pictures that you see on the moon where there's a real bright light. And there was a little, like a little house on the moon and my car was out in front of it. (laughs) And then, and I remember going down and like, wow, this is crazy. And I was touching the sand and the sand was like vermiculite, you know, that, that, Mm -hmm. that, Mm -hmm. whatever that is. And I reached out to get some and mixed in with that was this blue, this bright blue it looked like flubber I don't know if you remember flubber from it's like early 70s Disney movie where this guy made this rubber compound I know what you're talking about (laughs) it looked like flubber kind of but it was but it was like slime like that slime toy stuff and it kind of all the vermiculite ran through my fingers and I just had this this blue blob that was kind of like mercury but it was blue but the Hmm. thing that was weird about it was it wasn't like a dream it was like I was totally aware and conscious it was like being in another dimension
0: Mm-hmm, so it was, mm-hmm. you
1: know, was that an out of body or was that a lucid? Well, view? and that's, and,
0: you know, that's a good question. <laughs> again, I mean, now that we are talking about it, because, you know, a lot of my experiences that I had when I was a young child that, again, are included in emails from infinity were, was was an experience of being taken from my body and then flown through some kind of a weird, almost uh, dimensionless space, like, so, like a place that doesn't have any, uh, uh, there's no, no, nothing to orient yourself with. So you have no, no. Understanding of distance or space or location. It's like a timeless spaceless place And then I would pop out in these other dimensions that were totally um, You know autonomous to themselves like all of a sudden it was like I popped through some kind of a membrane and I would be in this world, and it would be like I, I was almost thrown into a pre-existing drama where, like, I knew I had a role I had to play, I knew what it was, and I just started doing it. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that would happen with regularity. And I would have dreams where successive nights I would pop out in the same spot where I left off the night before, each night in a row. So it was like continuing yeah, the journey every night. Crazy stuff like that. Totally crazy.
1: Oh, we should save it for the <laughs> for the out of body episode. Um. So what else are we going to talk about? Since this is the introductory podcast, did, well, we, did we cover um, everything? Look at your list. I'm sure. I'm sure we
0: haven't. I'm sure we haven't covered everything. I, I don't think that that's even possible. If we covered everything, then we're done. Thank you for enjoying our podcast. Don't <laughs> tune in again because it won't be here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Come on, smartass, get your list up.
0: I have no list. What are you talking I thought about? I had a list. Did not you have a We're list? We're this organically, remember, and and conversationally. Okay. So we I don't need know. No, uh, we need no lists.
1: Well, um, yeah, I just wasn't thinking
0: I mean literature is something that of course I want to talk about oh, probably yeah talk about because I'm you know a bibliophile I just I love reading I love books I do too
1: I do too definitely I, I know you do
0: but you just it's it's not that you don't it's just that you aren't you don't have the same luxury to be able to read like I do you know what I this mean this true you have to listen to your your books while you paint which is why I'm recording emails from infinity right. so that you can <laughs> hear it and then be influenced by it while you paint
1: yeah I need to do more books and podcasts because I got stuck on documentaries actually while You were um, making the documentary about me. I started watching documentaries to see how a good documentary is crafted, and I'm still stuck on them. Like it's just I don't know what it is. It's I'm a creature of habit, I guess, but it's to the point now where I've watched all the good ones, and now I'm watching the ones that are pissing me off because they're so bad. Like that Rod Stewart documentary. Holy shit, that was bad. And I I watched a Credence Clearwater Revival. I mean, Rod Stewart, I'm not a Rod Stewart fan, um, but... I love any music, do- any music documentary. I love. I'm totally interested in seeing.
0: Him. Yeah, I'm going to give you guys an explanation of how crazy he is with music. This is just a little synopsis of it. So he's always going up because he he knows everything when it comes to music. Now that's that's an overstatement. He would be quick to correct yeah, me if he wasn't certain... lighting a cigarette. But point being is he he's like you know he's really good at it. And so the other day I I made some little three point two second you know uh instagram clip and i just threw in this little drum beat it was like 3.2 seconds and i sent it to him and he immediately not only knew the band but he knew the album that it was off of
1: (laughs) i've got a weird a really weird uh thing with my brain where i don't remember all these important things in my life but really stupid trivial music stuff from a certain era i just i'm like one of those uh autistic people that are geniuses at you know sculpting or drawing or mathematics it's like i have this kind of part of my brain that for a certain period of my life i for some i don't know why maybe because i was so into music that i just would absorb the music and i know like the producers and stuff from the liner notes and <laughs> even bands i don't like but anyway the the uh the Rod Stewart documentary was so fucking bad. I'm so pissed that I paid 3.99 for that. It's like it made me mad. I went and I wrote a bad review on there. It was so bad.
0: Ooh.
1: <laughs> I showed them. But then, I, so then I saw I saw a Creedence Clearwater Revival documentary called the what was it called? The Golden Years or something? Because I mm-hmm. like Creedence Clearwater Revival, and it yeah, was great. It was so bad that the guy narrating it. Didn't even pronounce John Fogarty's name right. He pronounced it oh. John Fogarty. <laughs> and he got the song, there's this credence famous Creedence song called Lodi about you know, Lodi California. Yeah, Lodi California. And, uh, and the guy pronounced it Lottie, the announcer.
0: Oh, goodness. It
1: was so lame. I mean Okay, so now, I feel now, ripped you,
0: off. now you have to now you have to counterbalance that with a good documentary about a musician that you've seen that you enjoy.
1: Uh, there's the, you know, the uh, the Eagles documentary. As much as I'm not an Eagles fan, was amazing. That it was, was great. It was great, great documentary. And the Jaco Pistorius one was amazing. Have you seen that yep. one? Yeah, it was yep, amazing. That was awesome. And I saw another... the,
0: the Rush one. Was yeah, was the great. Rush
1: one's great. The the We Kano's amazing, which is actually the the Minutemen one, which I uh, I gave you as a reference for how I wanted. Our documentary to be at least this good.
0: <laughs> yeah, you <know>, I remember <laughs> that was within the first, I think, two weeks of knowing one another. You were like, "You got to watch this documentary. It's important. <laughs> it's got to be at least this good." Right. You were setting your your standards and expectations very realistically from yeah. the get go. was. It you was. know, one of the other things that I know we want to talk about, and this fits in with your uh, your memory, is your synesthesia. Oh yeah, synesthesia
1: the the lamest synesthesia there is the, the name food flavor connection is hilarious.
0: Yeah, so for I instance, we Chet Chet comes with me on, on this trip for dystopia on the way back from LA. We go, we drive into Albuquerque.
1: Let me explain it a little better first. Uh uh let me give you just a little intro. Give your pre give yeah. your preamp. Yeah. Um I when I was in my thirties, I had a realization all my life, I'd never thought of this, but names. Some words, but mostly names, and mostly first name, common first names, have flavors to me. So if you, you know, you say a name, a person's name, and it's going to have a flavor to me. And it's all this food that I was, just 70s junk food that I was raised on. So um, it's like when you hear, uh, you know, for people who don't have it, I assume that when you hear the word, hot dog you kind of have the sensation of the flavor of a hot dog you don't taste it in your mouth but you have some kind of sensation of what that i flavor see it
0: is. so whenever whatever you say i just see this like cartoon version in, <laughs> floating in no space but there's yeah, just but this cartoon hot dog you
1: don't have a sense of what like when someone says hot dog you don't have a sense of what the hot dog tastes like
0: i immediately see the hot dog okay
1: well it, it might just be a weird thing that synesthesia people have but synesthesia is like a cross-wiring of of the brain to where you know most, the cool synesthesia is people that hear sounds like or see sounds they'll yeah, actually have kind of a mental taste colors yeah taste colors or when a word spelled wrong it, it sh- in their mind's eye it shows up red um, so mine is just the, the dumb one the, the silliest one i guess where it's Food. So anyway, I have. I I realized. What does
0: Mike taste like? Tell me. Tell tell me. See,
1: Mike's not a really strong one, and that's the thing. It's like there's there's Mike kind of. It's not a super strong one, so it's hard for me to. It's weird. It's certain ones just like John. You know, it was kind of marshmallowy maybe, but not really that strong. Mike is kind of like a Clark bar, or the taste of a microphone when you lick it, like a metallic taste. <laughs> kind of, but so I, I wouldn't even bring those ones in.
0: But so, so name some good ones.
1: Well, you go, go on with your story because that's a.
0: Pretty oh, good okay, one. okay. So the preamble is that he's got the he, his brains fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. Already. Synesthesia is, is really a, a very amazing thing. Um, but yeah, so we're driving. Chet had, okay, now I have to go back. So you know, okay. I'm going to reel the reel the fishing line back in. So obviously we've discussed dystopia, which is this world that Chet's realized he's been painting for 15 years. And we kick-started a field guide for it. And we did that a year ago. And so part of the money from that was a road trip, which was me to go out, hang out with Chet, and him to come back with me to New Mexico, and us to work on the book and spend time working on the field guide and fleshing out some of the the world and trying to really research and understand better the world i guess more than anything so anyway that was what we were doing and we were on our way from la here to new mexico and we were coming down into albuquerque and it's nighttime we come driving down the hill and i'm like there's albuquerque and chet says oh man that tastes just like those cookies (laughs) i'm like (laughs) what cookies like you know those striped cookies the you know those ones with the chocolate stripes they're like shortbread with the chocolate stripes (laughs) So now I call it Albuquerque. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's true, but I don't think I ever – I didn't realize that I was thinking every time I heard Albuquerque my entire life for 40-something years, I'd never realized that it tastes like those shortbread cookies with the chocolate stripes on them because it's just been in my mind and, and I just never – it's so weird. I never stopped to think about it. That's why when I was in my 30s, I was working at Rick Baker's. I remember one day I, I – I just suddenly realized that I had been internally tasting all these names every time I heard them. Like Mary tastes like a, a, a raw wiener from a from the refrigerator. Like when you're a kid and you go and grab a hot dog without cooking it. <laughs> At least I did <laughs> back when I was a little kid and I ate meat. Or, you know, Kathy tastes like milk. You know, it's just – Weird, but anyway, I don't want to give too many of them away. So we'll save it for a, another podcast. Cause it's really hilarious. That's great. It's, it's yeah, weird. That's it's, awesome. it's really weird. But that is a good I, one, and I, I do think that it connects to the um, me being an artist, though, and a painter, because uh, cause, uh, I think one thing about art <clears throat> is that you're you're taking disparate elements and you're combining them in a way that's never been done before, and that's definitely synesthesia is taking two different sensations and they're combined in a weird way that's unusual for most people mm-hmm. so i think that there is some kind of connection. i think that's an
0: interesting that's an interesting translation that you made there i never i wouldn't have thought of it that way that's cool
1: yeah i, I <clears throat> that's i mean that's what a great painting is really or part of what a great painting is is uh you know make making something new out of something old you know turning mm-hmm. arranging things in a way or combining things that shouldn't be combined in a way that makes them interesting but, right
0: right you know the other thing that i think you know i don't know even if you want to touch on it but we might as well is that you know one of the reasons you wanted to do a podcast is because you want to speak better right
1: oh yeah yeah i mean that's the least the the, the, the least see there i go i can't even look at speak <laughs> that's the the least reason does that make sense that's probably the uh last the the last reason i want to do it but it is a a part of it is is that i am i get tongue-tied i'm not a great speaker and since i've had a certain amount of success with painting i've had to do um uh you know speaking engagements or interviews and that's really helped me speak well better anyway and Mm so i'm hoping that this will also help me just learn to speak better publicly or speak better anytime because I'm just, you know, sometimes I just, I don't know what it is. Sometimes I just cannot get the words out right, you know, and I imagine if I could, I wouldn't be necessarily be, maybe I wouldn't be doing visual art or something, you know, or because yeah, yeah, I really, it's, I remember being a kid and this is probably just because I was so young, but I remember being, really young, probably five or four years old, and being so frustrated that I could not say what I was thinking. You know, it was like, I just can't get this out. And it's probably because I couldn't speak that well. But um, mm-hmm. I still feel that way, actually. <laughs> 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 so hopefully that that will help. The other reason I want to do it, too, is because, like I was telling you before, that it's I started thinking about it and getting all nervous about it. And, y- mm-hmm. you know, usually... Those are the things you should do, the ones that make you kind of nervous because they're pushing you outside of your comfort zone, you know? Right, right, yeah. Feel
0: the fear and do it anyway. Yeah,
1: yeah. And so instead of uh, my initial impulse is, oh, shit, I shouldn't do this. This is going to be too exposing, or, you know, it's kind of, you can kind of hide behind the art a little bit and just do print interviews. But once you're talking, Speaking to a bunch of people, it's a, it's just different. It feels a little less protected or whatever. But so I, I, you know, I've always tried to do that. If something has made me nervous for a dumb reason, mm-hmm. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll do it.
0: Well, and that's, I mean, and I guess that, that really does kind of bring us back to the whole idea of the the dark art society podcast, which is that, you know, dark art in many ways is taking something that is scary, that the reason it's scary is because we can't really see it. We can't really define it. We don't really know what it is. It exists in the unknown and drawing it into the light or into the known region where now we're familiar with it and now it's not scary anymore. So, you know, you're doing with yourself by forcing yourself to face your anxiety surrounding something like that, facing that fear, approaching that fear is doing the very thing that your art is intended to do. Even though I don't think you are overtly intending to do it.
1: Yes, definitely. It wasn't a conscious thing, but I, th- I'm sure that's what I've been doing with my artwork since I've been a kid is just externalizing my fears and anxieties in order to gain some sense of mastery over them or feel like I'm not so helpless, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, That's what you know. I think dark art is such a healing thing, and and it's so backwards the way it's seen by so many people. It's you know people think it's the opposite of that, but it it's it's not for most of us anyway. I mean, I'm sure there's well, and
0: why why is it healing? Can you speak to that at all?
1: Well, because it's 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 a safe way to confront your fear and express your fear, whereas you know going on a shooting spree is a, a. a negative way to express your fear and anxiety or getting yourself all worked up and going insane is a negative way of internalizing everything and not expressing it as a negative way of dealing with your fear and anxiety, you know? So I think it's, you know, it's the constructive, health. not yeah. destructive. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a process of and this, you know, a lot of this stuff applies to all art. Of course, I'm, like I said, I'm the dark art evangelist and so I'm going to put everything in dark art terms until we are, we are seen as equals to, to everybody else in the art scene. But um, uh, the the it's it's a now I lost my train of thought. The the, uh, the dark
0: art thing is how does it heal you?
1: Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> that's not what I was gonna say though.
0: <laughs> Son of a.
1: I know. Uh, I'll get it in a second. That's a weird thing when you lose a train of thought you have to like start talking and then it kind of comes back or it doesn't sometimes it comes back. So I will say, I'll
0: stop looking to find it. Yeah,
1: yeah. So I'll just start. Ta- I'll just start talking about it again. You know, but, I
0: mean, I'll tell you what I do is I think sideways. I mean, that's that's my response. At least that's what I call it. Is like if I'm close to something, I know that the direct route isn't going to get me there. But if I think about something that relates to it, I'm thinking sideways, and it will lead me back to that that original route. Okay.
1: Well, what I was going to say was that this is the same for um, regular art as well, and that is, I can't think of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man it was a really good point too and it was like one that i wanted to b- talk about but oh
0: well it was, well, that what all all art is constructive and, and all art has the ability to be healing or or have the ability to be a, a positive a cathartic experience for a person that's not that signature to dark art
1: yeah i mean i guess that was the the upshot of the whole thing the point i was getting to is that it's uh you know, creative expression rather than keeping it internal, but I had a really nice way of illustrating it and it's gone now. So let's just move on. <laughs> just
0: moving right along. <laughs>
1: well, I mean, we're at, we're at almost at the hour point, I think, but we, yeah, the we're first at, part,
0: we're at 59, 59, minutes and 23 seconds. But
1: didn't we talk a bunch of stuff amongst ourselves in the beginning? If we don't end up keeping that, then not,
0: not that much No, like less than five minutes.
1: Well, we could wrap it up, I guess you
0: know well whatever whatever's comfortable i mean this is how you know this is what happens with you and i in our conversations this is how it is on the phone we'll be like yeah let's stop talking now and then 25 minutes later we're still talking so
1: (laughs) i know but i don't want to bore people it's a it's it's always better to leave them wanting more than not than too much i i i believe that's That's what what she said
0: hey hey (laughs)
1: if we start that on this show there's going to be problems Well, you know,
0: it's my (laughs) opportunity to dish it back to you because you've infected everyone in my life with it. And and so I've got to to do something proactive. That's true. For everybody who hears
1: this too, I'm going to say, that came from watching The Office and Michael Scott doing it in such a stupid way. That's why I started doing it. And now it's taken on a life of its own. It's got its own hashtag. uh, (laughs) It all started of me mocking a guy who is mocking a Michael Scott type of guy, but actually I'm kind of sucked into it and I'm doing it like Michael
0: Scott would do it. He does. It's true. It's painful even because we'll be having like some real important, like heartfelt conversation and he can't even help but do it. And it's so stupid. really, it's really, it's, it's, really, a, <laughs> it, it's, it's really painful. When it I can't help myself. Anyway, well, you yeah. know, I, I have a, that was your I'll moment. Go ahead. you should have said it right there. I know, I, I did my one. I, I'm, I'm you know, that'll be the deal. I reserve one for each podcast. Better <laughs> one, one, one <laughs> so be worth it. And if you hear him call me a batch or you hear me uh, hear me yeah. call him a batch that's also code word for bitch, just so you know. Yeah, that's right. Cause I'm not what, even going to try to explain where that even came from because it's so dumb that there's no reason it should have held, but it has.
1: He called me a bitch in a text, and it was spe- he spelled it <laughs> and I never let him forget it. So every time instead of saying bitch, we say batch. That's all
0: there is to it. Yeah, well, you know, you put it in a nice, neat little nutshell. I'll give it to you. <laughs> See, now I'm going to line them up for you all. Slow balls and everything, just waiting for the baseball bat. All right. Excellent. You know, the best way to wrap it up really is just to do the, the closing, you know, because it, that's, that's solid. And it fits with what we've been doing. So, you know, I can just roll with the closing if you want. Unless you okay. got anything else you really need to say.
1: No, I, I feel good about it. I feel good about this.
0: So. Well, I really... I, I really hope that uh, people enjoy it. That's the most important thing to me. I want it to be something that I would like to hear. Exactly. You know, like all of the art that I that I know that you and I feel the same on that that level. We both feel that whatever it is we create we would be something we would like to have enjoyed that someone else did. So I just hope people enjoy this and that they turn onto it and turn other people onto it and we're able to keep doing it. Yeah,
1: definitely. I'm good. I'm good with that.
0: Bueno. Oh. I agree. <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay, read your thing. I'm not reading nothing. Oh. I told you I wasn't doing notes. No, I'm just joking. I will. <laughs> I'll roll with it. Yeah, I'll, I pulled up notes, guys. I just had to um, be honest here. This is my integrity on the line. <clears throat> yeah, I couldn't pull this off without reading it. So here we go. <laughs> the Dark Arts Society podcast is made possible by our listeners, the Zarmi, you, and is brought to you by Chet czar LLC and Energy Creations Incorporated. When you have a moment, head over to chetzar.bigcartel.com and check out the amazing dark art merchandise. While you're there, grab a signed copy of Chetzar I Like to Paint Monsters. Enter the dark and foreboding world of Chetzar where apocalyptic industrial landscapes are inhabited by disturbing yet beautiful monstrosities. Sometimes gruesome, periodically funny, but always (laughs) thought-provoking. You're fucking me up, match. (laughs) Char's <laughs> art is as enigmatic as it is frightening but what about the man behind the paintbrush who is Chet Zar and what does he like to paint monsters these are the questions at the heart of my new documentary we are always looking for strong ratings and reviews so hit us up on iTunes IMDB and Rotten Tomatoes thank you for listening and we'll catch up with you next time
1: see that's you know that's it's great but it might be a little too canned you know what I'm saying it might feel yeah. a little too <laughs>
0: not, not if I read it and you and you give me shit every time and then they get to hear you giving me shit every time. I'm happy That's to like keep a, I'm happy to keep it in. Just, I'm happy <laughs> to, I'm happy to keep shoveling shit in your direction, Mike. <laughs> Story of my life, folks. All right,
1: we're just kind of working on this and figuring it out, but I think it was a good first podcast. So, let's just yeah, That was fun. Leave it at that and um and uh we don't know schedule-wise how often we're going to do this, or when it's going to be? I guess we'll have to figure that out. So let's just. I
0: think I think we should try to shoot for once a week. I would right? love
1: to do it once a week, but that's kind of a big commitment. I mean, it's a.
0: Well, I'm, not, here's what I'm saying. Not... Let's just let's just try to shoot for once a week. Okay. Because if you know if we do, then there's a chance we can pull it off, and if we can't, then we'll let people know in advance. You know, we'll just that's say, assuming hey.
1: Assuming anybody see. listens.
0: Next week, yeah, but I, you know, I have a feeling that people will listen.
1: All right. we'll, we'll find out. We got to figure out where to. Post this and all that technical stuff. And
0: Let me just stop the recording.
1: Okay, this is the end of the Dark Art Society first uh, podcast. Thank you. All right. I'll, we'll see you guys next time. Peace. Bye.